Africa rise and shine Africa zola Africa amka na unai Good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kilohertz on the 19 meter band to Far West Africa. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabisoluhuku and Tami Kuza. In our top stories, Mozambique's main opposition party rejects election results. Angola wins coveted UN Security Council seat. In economics, South African President Jacob Zuma reassures Turkish business people. And in sports news, Morocco may withdraw as 2015 Africa Cup of Nations host. But first up, the news with Anne Musa. Good morning. Mozambique's main opposition party, Renamo, says it will not accept the results of Wednesday's election. Mozambicans voted in the country's presidential and parliamentary elections this week. Renamo has cited incidences of electoral fraud and police brutality among some of the reasons why it rejects the poll. There were incidences reported in the north of the country where a number of polling stations did not open and some were raised to the ground during riots. Renamo spokesperson Antonio Muchanga speaks through an interpreter. What we're going to do is to do what we used to do when this process is before. You, you, you don't go well. And you lie as a lesson. So these elections cannot be valid. We said to international observers that we are going to accept the elections if the elections are true and fair. And just because they are not true and fair, we don't know to accept. International and local observers are expected to give their assessment of the credibility of the poll today. SEDEC facilitator Cyril Ramaphosa has to defuse a new political storm in Lesotho as he prepares to attend the opening of parliament in the Mountain Kingdom today. Lesotho's Deputy Prime Minister Muteja Metsing says his party, the Lesotho Congress for Democracy, does not accept the firing by Prime Minister Tom Tabane of the Com- Minister of Communication Sidibe Muchoborane. The opening of parliament is part of a roadmap agreement brokered by SEDEC to end the earlier political crisis in Lesotho. Ndakwa Nangatane reports from the capital. All eyes will be on the parliament of Lesotho today, but the drama has not ended. Deputy Prime Minister Mutejwa Metsinga says he has seen a letter firing Mutobarwani, who is a member of his LCD, and he has referred the matter to SADC facilitator Cyril Ramaphosa to intervene. Metsinga maintains that Mutobarwani is still a minister. Meanwhile, international media attention is expected to focus on Lesotho and security has been heightened around Parliament. His Majesty King Lisiet III will deliver his speech just after 10.30 a.m. 
At least seven people have been killed in clashes between rival armed to rear groups and their allies in northern Mali. The fighting took place around 130 kilometers south of Gao, the main town in northern Mali, and lasted more than six hours. The fighters were reportedly from the National Movement for the Liberation of Azawad and a rival movement known by its French acronym Gatier. The MNLA is one of six northern armed groups taking part in peace talks which started last July with the Malian government in neighbouring Algeria. Three United Nations peacekeepers have been killed in an attack in South Sudan's Darfur region. Unidentified gunmen launched a deadly attack on the UNAU mission in Darfur and killed three Ethiopian soldiers yesterday. The Ethiopian peacekeepers were patrolling a water hole in Koma in North Darfur when the assault took place. UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon has strongly condemned the incident, saying that attacks on UN peacekeepers are unacceptable and constitute a serious violation of international law. And finally, today is International Day for the Eradication of Poverty. The day is dedicated towards honoring victims of extreme poverty, violence and hunger. In South Africa, the National Development Agency, together with various partners, are driving the message, making giving back a lifestyle to the streets and hearts of all South Africans. The campaign calls on all South Africans to stand up together and fight poverty by dedicating their time towards acts of goodwill that will ensure sustainable developmental programs. And that's the news headlines at 8.30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Thank you, Anne. It's 8.06 Central African time, and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Voting in Mozambique was free and fair despite violence in some parts of the country and logistical difficulties. This, according to the National Electoral Commission and commentators, Mozambicans cast their votes for their presidential and parliamentary representatives across the country on Wednesday. Counting continues at the country's over 17,000 voting stations and the first results have begun to trickle in. Busi Chimombe reports from the capital, Maputo. As counting continues and the first results of the Mozambique election start to trickle in, reports of violence and logistical difficulties in some parts of the country are emerging. Spokesperson for the National Electoral Commission, Paolo Kunika. Four polling stations in the Lupilich area, that's Nyasa province, could not open. And we had some incidents in uh, two or three cities of the province of Nampula, of which reports we are expecting to receive any time from the district councils. And from there, the Electoral Commission will meet to make a, a decision on those incidents and the uh, Tsangano as well where we had uh, some polling stations being destroyed, literally destroyed. Rioting also broke out in some parts of the country following the close of polling stations. There were reports of riots in several places. This was due to desires of the people to see the counting, but this is not allowed by the law, and therefore the police had to act as to create appropriate conditions for the polling officers to uh, carry out the counting. In Beda, Nakala... Nampula and um, Angosh. 
Despite these incidences, Ali Jamal of the Mozambique Higher Institution for International Relations believes that the election has been credible. In general, the election went smoothly. Everything was done in correct way according to the law. Of course, we have some kind of uh, small problems like it late arrival of material in some very few places. I think things went smoothly. Some one or two exceptions in the Tete province that some uh, boxes were burned. But in general, speaking in security terms, they think uh, went uh, pacifically, smoothly and administratively. They were able to take care of the small problems. Meanwhile, the Commission has announced the first results for nine of the country's 11 provinces. In two provinces, results are still to be reported. In Maputo City, where 50% of the votes have been counted, the presidential candidate for the ruling party Frelimo, Felipe Nuse, has taken the lead with just over 68% of the vote. His main opposition party, Renamo rival, Alfonso Tlacama, has 20%, and Javid Simango, of the Mozambique Democratic Movement has garnered almost 11%. A tough contest is on in Manica province between Frelimo and Renamo, with just over 40% of votes counted. The other provinces where results have been produced have counted less than 20% of the vote. The final results are expected in two weeks. That report by Busi Chimombe in Maputo, Mozambique. Now, Mozambique's main opposition party, Renamo, has rejected preliminary results of presidential and parliamentary elections, showing the ruling party, Frelimo, heading for a landslide victory. Renamo's spokesperson, Antonio Muchanga, says the elections were tainted by irregularities and that the probability of false results is very big. For more on this, our correspondent in Mozambique, Bright Sonjera, joins us from Nampula City. Good morning, Bright, and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. Good morning. Now, Bright... Alfonso Jacama says that... Hello? Hi, Bright. I wanted to ask you first, Renamo has rejected the election's result. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, Afonso Jagama said that uh, according to the grand case that has been happening in other polling stations, uh, he is going no, uh, not to appreciate uh, and uh, is just waiting uh, for the results from other uh, uh, party officials uh, who are going here and there uh, questioning other people who are working and uh, the, uh, the provinces, uh, so that after that is when that uh, Afonso Jagama is going to uh, address the meeting that will be uh, the press conference uh, due to happen uh, around the 3 o'clock today is where Afonso Jagama is going to uh, say something uh, to the nation uh, through uh, the media. Now, where do the reports of uh, uh, Renamo, uh, uh, Afonso Chakama's rejection of the election results come from? Yeah, Afonso Chakama rejected the uh, official result of the uh, uh, voting county uh, because of uh, uh, in other provinces, Nampula, where where, uh, where uh, Afonso Jagama said that there uh, will be the headquarters of the uh, party Renamo and um, uh, uh, Zambezia, 
where forces the government has got of the party and um, uh, they uh, according to the uh, results that we have here is um, uh, that actually the news the candidate of uh, Freelim is leading there uh, with uh, 62, uh, 62 uh, percent for the uh, vote, uh, vote that has been uh, counted and Afonso Jakama has uh, 60% of the uh, vote uh, and then uh, Manika province is where Afonso Jagama is leading uh, according to the vote uh, that has been counted uh, around uh, 48,000. 40, uh, that is the difference between Afonso uh, Jagama and the Philippine News is about uh, 45,000. In uh, uh, um, um, Nampula, uh, Nampula is a slight difference Afonso Jagama and uh, Philippine News. So in the three provinces, uh, we're talking about Maputo, uh, Gaza, Yaman, uh, it's where uh, Philippine News is living. In various places, like uh, in the northern part of this country, uh, it's where the condition uh, is coming uh, from, whereby Afonso Jagama uh, rejected uh, the results, uh, an official result, uh, which is uh, already posted in other uh, places. So that uh, uh, Jakama himself said that uh, he's going to um, uh, to make a, 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 a brief uh, conference, uh, uh, talking to the media on uh, uh, the position that is going to, uh, to be uh, after the discussions of the uh, other international observers and the national observers. Because in this international and the national observers, there is a disagreement. Others are uh, like in uh, Afonso uh, uh, from the uh, National Observer and one from uh, Ghana. Um, they are saying that uh, through these uh, problems that have been facing uh, during the uh, voting uh, process and uh, accounting process, whereby other people were getting floating with about the uh, boxes, about the papers uh, coming into the polling sessions in various places. This uh, will not make uh, something good to the uh, opposition party. Uh, so that's why uh, here in Mozambique, uh, for sure, uh, uh, these international and national debates, they are not agreed what has happened. Uh, that's why Afonso Jagama uh, is uh, looking into these issues whereby he's uh, going here and there to, uh, to, to, to hear what national and national observers uh, have agreed. But as of now, there's a difference of people coming from national and international observers. Others, they are saying that the elections are free and fair, while others, they are saying that the elections have, uh, have been... Uh, in a problem like uh, voting time and voting uh, time of the polling session, and um, uh, other people have tried to uh, to to manipulate the results of the uh, uh, leading party. Now, Bright, are people concerned that this kind of talk by Renamo might jeopardize the peace deal signed in August? 
of the party and other members uh, of, of the community. They're saying that uh, for two, uh, uh, rejecting the results of the uh, uh, electoral uh, uh, commission and this is an official result because uh, uh, there's a lot of problems faced uh, during these elections. And uh, the electoral commission was not able to uh, respond to uh, the problems uh, coming out from other places whereby the, uh, the voting uh, could do, uh, take place. But as of now, um, Afonso Gadama uh, remains the same. Uh, he rejected the, the unofficial result. And um, uh, people, they're just waiting and see uh, and hear from him uh, what is going to say about this uh, uh, process of accounting. Uh, vote counting. How much of the votes have been counted so far? Um, as of now, I can say that um, uh, Afonso Jagama, Afonso Jagama, the opposition, uh, uh, still uh, going up with uh, the results coming from uh, different places. Uh, yesterday was leading up to uh, 31 percent of the all votes counted, but as of now, uh, the raising uh, uh, percentages is coming up because it's now at 80% of the votes that has been uh, uh, counted. And Philippe Yutz, who is the candidate of Fraglini, uh, yesterday was uh, 61 point percent and his, uh, his party uh, was living um, uh, up to uh, 58.1%, and now uh, the, the numbers uh, are just raising, uh, like uh, today, uh, it's 62.3%. Him as a candidate, and uh, uh, his party is uh, uh, 59, just raising only uh, one portion. And Davis uh, uh, Mango, who is the LDN uh, candidate, uh, yesterday was heading uh, up to uh, 7.7%, and this party is 11.7%. But as of now, uh, the number is just increasing uh, because the, the voting counting is still in the process uh, whereby uh, Nyasa province were um, uh, still uh, having a uh, counting the, the votes from various places. As of now, uh, Afonso Jatama in Nyasa is here, uh, uh, 19,923 votes, and the three is these numbers uh, can change around the uh, around the uh, three o'clock uh, p.m. whereby uh, other places will be finishing uh, the counting of the votes. But um, what is happening? Um, uh, the report from Nyasa Province, who is a northern part of the eastern trade, is um, other people has um, built the house of the Frelimo. Uh, 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 of Rilemo's expertise, uh, whereby uh, he was uh, just putting the, uh, the uniform, uh, the, uh, the T-shirt uh, of uh, Philippe News, 
and uh, things that uh, uh, where they like and uh, uh, where they like or not is uh, going to win, is uh, going to rule this uh, uh, this country. So that the uh, Renamo uh, members, party uh, uh, members, uh, went to the house and they built the house and started to vandalize other uh, things of the house and the, the situation is being uh, arrested to uh, now uh, admitted in the hospital near uh, our province. Now, Bright, Bright, just to... Bright, final question yeah. to you is when can we expect the final election results? Um, according to the Electoral Commission, Abdul Karim said that uh, around the uh, 8, uh, 8 a.m. tomorrow, is where it's going to uh, say anything according to the uh, results of the uh, uh, all the the, the uh, elections uh, um, uh, the, uh, the voting that has been already counted and uh, is going to deliver uh, the the, the uh, results waiting uh, other national uh, uh, and national um, uh, observers to say something because now. Uh, electoral commission is not uh, only the electoral commission that can take that because uh, of the lot of international and national observers. They, uh, they have to write something, the report of how the elections have been like here in Mozambique, where the electoral commission uh, is going to say uh, something. But uh, right, I, thank I you so much. The uh, uh, of the elections is still coming. Bright, thank you so much for joining us. That was our reporter, Bright Sonjera, from Nampula City in Mozambique, talking to us. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. The Sadak region will again enjoy a seat at the UN Security Council with Angola's election to be to the coveted UN body. The General Assembly has elected five new non-permanent members who will serve two-year terms, replacing outgoing members whose terms expire on December 31st. Angola ran on a clean slate for one seat to be vacated by Rwanda, Venezuela and Malaysia. New Zealand make up four of the five new members, shown Bryce Peace reports. Angola, 190. The AU nominee was elected unopposed, with candidate countries having to attain at least a two-thirds majority of members present. It will be Angola's second term after serving in 2003 and 4. Malaysia and Venezuela were also elected on clean slates for the Asia-Pacific and Latin American Caribbean regions respectively. Malaysia's Foreign Minister Dato Sri Anifa Aman spoke to the press after their success. 2014 has been a year of terrible tragedy and heartbreak for Malaysia in the wake of the twin tragedies of MH370 and MH17. Malaysia from all Malaysians from all walks of life have come together to stand together and unite behind the nation. It is my hope that Malaysia's election to the UNSC will similarly unite all Malaysians, particularly as we pursue 
the interests in the realm of international peace and security as a member of the Security Council. Venezuela's Foreign Minister Rafael Ramirez, speaking Spanish with English translation, dedicated his country's victory to its departed president. Este triunfo contundente. This uh, overwhelming triumph occurred despite the malign campaign against uh, our country and our institutions. This uh, huge triumph is the result of the decision of uh, President Commander Hugo Chavez Frias when uh, in January 2007 decided to present the candidature of Venezuela. Human Rights Watch in a statement warned that the Council's new membership could prove problematic on human rights issues. They believe several generally rights-friendly countries are leaving Council, with others coming on board with poor voting records, particularly at the Human Rights Council in Geneva. Venezuela's Rafael Ramirez again. In 2015, Venezuela will become the first country in history in occupying a position in the Security Council and uh, at the same time will chair the non-aligned movement simultaneously. Never before such a responsibility has fallen on a country at the same time. We take up this challenge determined to continue our fight against the willingness to subject countries to the subjugation domination, exploitation and foreign occupation. Turkey fell short in a tussle for two seats with Spain and New Zealand in the Western Europe and others group. Diplomats suggested that Turkey struggled to garner support from within the Arab group due to their support for the Muslim Brotherhood, particularly in Egypt. New members begin their two-year terms on January 1, 2015. I'm Sherwin Bricepies in New York. Lesotho's Deputy Prime Minister Mut- Tedra Mitzing says his party, the Lesotho Congress for Democracy, LCD, does not accept the firing by Prime Minister Tom Tabane of the Minister of Communications, Sidibe Muchobuhwane. This is another reminder of the feuding in the Lesotho coalition government ahead of the opening of parliament today. SADC facilitator and South African Deputy President Sul Ramaphosa will attend the opening by King Lidzie III. For more on this, SAFM Sakina Kamwendo spoke to Roni Mamwepa, spokesperson for SADC facilitator Cyril Ramaphosa. He has continued to meet with various uh, stakeholders. There's a courtesy call on the His Majesty King Lidzie III. He's met with the uh, coalition partners, met with the... Uh, the Speaker of uh, Parliament, uh, as you said earlier, this is a part of uh, a build-up towards the reconvening of Parliament, which is scheduled for later today. Uh, as you know, the, the Parliament will be opened by His Majesty Kennedy III. And in the main, this reconvening of Parliament takes place within the, that context of uh, the recently signed Maseru Facilitation Declaration, which was signed by all Lesotho political parties, then said will reconvene Parliament, that His Majesty reconvene Parliament, so that Parliament can then deal with the budget and all other related matters that will ensure that uh, the country is able to go to elections next year. So in that context, therefore, the, the facilitator, 
uh, Deputy President Ramaphosa, supported, of course, by the Senate Executive Secretary, uh, as well as experts and uh, members of the Secretariat from Namibia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, South Africa, will be attending this reopening of Parliament. This is a major what since the signing of that MSL facilitation declaration. So we're all looking forward to attending this parliament this this afternoon now uh, mr mamwempa uh, the allegation uh, was that um, prime minister tom tabane had refused to actually reconvene parliament because of a possible vote of no confidence that would be passed against him and we see that the feuding seems to be continuing now uh, over the dismissal of the minister of communications has there been any talk in that regard if you read the the, the declaration itself it says the reconvening of Parliament will be limited to discussing the budget and any matter related only to elections. So, 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 so that issue of motion of no confidence will not arise as the agreement facilitated by the Deputy President Ramaphosa and accepted by all political parties and role players in the future. So, so, so that issue will not arise. And what about security concerns? Are those still ongoing? Of course, uh, the, the mandate of the facilitator is to ensure that the to return to constitutional normalcy and to ensure security stabilization, the stabilization of the security situation in Lesotho. So the, the facilitator and certainly remain seized with the, both political and security matters in Lesotho. Of course, we are confident that the people of Lesotho themselves do want to ensure that a country is back to political normalcy, that there is security in the country. With their support, we think we will, at the end of the day, ensure, and, and this, the issue of the reopening of parliament today is a step in, in, in the right direction to ensure political normalcy, to ensure the stabilization of the security situation. And as we speak, uh, who is in charge of uh, the armed forces in Lesotho? Well, as I said, this issue of the stabilization of security situation relates, among others, to that very question you're asking. So in that context, I'm saying we're in a process of discussing and finding solutions to this. And as for members of the public, will they be allowed uh, to attend the reopening this morning? Of course, I, I am told that when Parliament opens in, in Lesotho, yes, members of the public are uh, also invited to attend. That was Roni Mamwepa, spokesperson for SADC facilitator Tulusutu, South African Deputy President Sil Ramaphosa, speaking to Sakina Kamwendo. It is 8.31 Central African time and our headlines are up next with Anne Musa. Good morning, SEDEC facilitator Cyril Ramaphosa forced to defuse a new political storm in Lesotho as he prepares to attend the opening of Parliament in the Mountain Kingdom today. Spain reports four new patients with suspected Ebola symptoms and today is International Day for the Eradication of Poverty, dedicated towards honouring victims of extreme poverty, violence and hunger. Those are the stories making headlines. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai.
Thank you, Anne. An urgent and global response is needed to stop the Ebola outbreak in its tracks, the UN chief has warned. The United Nations says it requires a billion dollars to bring the outbreak in West Africa under control. The number of cases in West Africa has reached 9,000 and the death toll is expected to rise to 4,500 this week. Jocelyn Sambira has the story. Officials are warning that there could be 10,000 new cases of Ebola per week by December if the international community does not act quickly. On Thursday, the UN Secretary General told reporters in New York that Ebola was a huge and urgent global problem that demands a huge and urgent response. First-line responders, which include national and international relief workers, have been hailed for their swift action. Ban Ki-moon, who leads the Global Ebola Response Coalition, of the UN family and its international partners, said he was confident the disease could be beaten if countries work together effectively. Dozens of countries are showing their solidarity, but we need to turn prejudice into action. We need more doctors, nurses, equipment, treatment centers, and medevac capacities. I appeal to the international community to provide the $1 billion launch that will enable us to get ahead of the curve and meet our target of reducing the rate of transmission by December 1st. Meanwhile, on September 19, UNMIR, the UN Mission for Ebola Emergency Response, was also established. Anthony Banbury, the head of UNMIR, recently briefed the Security Council on the unprecedented extent of the outbreak. So far, member states have pledged civilian and military personnel some material and money for which Mr. Banbury expressed gratitude. He added, though, he was deeply worried that all the pledges combined were not nearly enough. The penalty for delay is enormous. The penalty for failure is inconceivable and unacceptable. We must act now. We must act together. We must defeat Ebola. And we must do it fast. African countries who share a common border with Guinea, Liberia, and Sierra Leone, or who have high travel and trade routes, are also concerned about the fast-moving epidemic. WHO's Dr. Isabel Nuddle named Guinea-Bissau, Senegal, Mali, and Côte d'Ivoire as countries that need to be better prepared to detect and to respond to the outbreak. Most of these countries in the past had to deal with outbreaks. The principles are the same. Be ready, detect, inform, assess, respond. We will ramp up our support to the countries. We will have visit. We will work with them on their plan, but a plan is only as good as a plan. It needs to be changed into action. WHO declared the epidemic to be a public health emergency of international concern in August. Jocelyn Sambira, United Nations. Young volunteers are being recruited by the United Nations in West Africa to help inform members of the community on ways to prevent contracting the Ebola virus disease. The worst ever outbreak of Ebola continues to ravage communities in Liberia, Sierra Leone and Guinea, with now close to 4,500 reported deaths. These community efforts are said to be crucial to raise awareness among the most vulnerable populations and stop transmissions. Stephanie Kutrix reports. 
Hawa, a 14-year-old Sierra Leonean girl, says she can be happy again now that she's reunited with her family. For some time, she wasn't sure she would survive Ebola. Her aunt died from the disease, as well as her younger brother. Most of her family members were then infected. Hawa described what the symptoms of Ebola felt like. <laughs> At first, I felt a pain in my chest. It was my heart. It was beating so fast. It was so painful. I used to cry. I had headaches, and my body was becoming hot. I didn't know it was Ebola. Now I am not sick anymore. I've been discharged. I am happy. There are lots of people that didn't survive. They died, but me, I survived. The UN Children's Fund UNICEF reports that 8.5 million children and young people under the age of 20 live in areas affected by Ebola in Sierra Leone, Liberia, and Guinea. UNICEF is collaborating on the ground with other UN agencies to help raise awareness on ways to prevent its spread. In Guinea, the UN Development Program (UNDP) has been training young volunteers to go door to door to teach people how to thoroughly hand wash and avoid contact with possible Ebola. Cases. Hassan Eid Hawidabu is one of these volunteers. Sometimes there are 10 or 20 families in the same home without any facilities even to wash their hands. One person can fall ill and infect everyone else. That's why it is crucial to go door to door to raise awareness. The UN says this kind of action is helping members of the community become more informed about the crisis and how to react to it. Magdi Martinez Soliman is UNDP's assistant administrator. Young volunteers are already taking action on the ground and showing great leadership in their neighborhoods. We met a young mother who runs a daycare with 200 kids. She is actively preventing transmission among the kids so that they prevent spreading the disease to their families. Many of these efforts targeting young children are working. This young Guinean boy knows the instructions. I wash my hands before I eat, and I clean my hands and the toilet with soap and bleach water. UNICEF has made raising awareness about hand washing a priority. It has recently distributed 1.5 million bars of soap in Sierra Leone and many more in Liberia and Guinea. Stephanie Kutrix, United Nations. Ebola beats. Remember, Ebola is not a death sentence. Get treatment sooner. This message is brought to you by Channel Africa and supplied by World Health Organization. Follow the discussion on Twitter using the hashtag #BeatEbolaNow. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zora. Africa, amuka na unai. The Catholic Church in Kenya has vehemently opposed the government's major program to immunize 2.3 million girls and women aged between 15 and 49 with tetanus vaccine. 
The church claims that the program is the government's scheme to control its population, which has now reached 40 million. James Shimanyula has more. The authorities in Kenya have announced that they will go ahead next week with their major program to immunize 2.3 million girls and women with the tetanus vaccine. The girls and women targeted in immunization are aged between 14 and 49. Kenya's Health Minister James Macharia has dismissed claims by the Kenya Catholic Doctors Association that the tetanus vaccine is unsafe. This vaccine is safe and does not adversely impact the reproductive capacity of the girls and women in this country. And I believe going with the history, which have big numbers, women, girls coming forward, whether or not they are Catholics. The baptized Catholic population in Kenya is officially estimated at nearly 8 million of the country's 40 million people. Pointing out that Kenya has been listed by the World Health Organization as one of the 28 countries that have not eliminated the tetanus, Health Minister James Macharia dismissed claims that the vaccine would cause infertility. Addressing a press conference in Nairobi Thursday, Dr. Stephen Karanja, chairman of the Kenya Catholic Doctors Association, explained why tetanus vaccination is not fit to be used by girls and women in Kenya. It has been used previously to destroy people in other countries. When any woman in the child delivering age gets injected with doses of vaccine, she will develop antibodies against tetanus. This woman, when she is immunized in the future, when she conceives, her body cannot identify her own pregnancy and she will get a miscarriage like it has been happening now year in year out in all the women in philippines nicaragua and mexico who are given the same vaccine by who Dr. Karanja wondered why the campaign targeted girls and women in the 14 to 49 age group. Making it clear that Kenya has no tetanus crisis, Dr. Karanja asked the government to explain why it made tetanus immunization a priority. Responding to a question from a journalist at the press conference, Dr. Karanja disclosed the reason behind the tetanus immunization program. There is a serious campaign to cut down the population. That is a fact. It is known. It is a known fact. It's not something we are speculative. It is known. And we are not ruling out that possibility that somebody somewhere is scheming to do that to the Kenya. This is wrong. It is not agenda of the Kenyans. The World Health Organization says symptoms of tetanus include muscle stiffness, headache, and fever, which lead to death if not treated. Reporting for Channel Africa, this is James Shimanyula. The bodies of the South Africans who died when a church building collapsed in Nigeria last month could be brought home within a week if Parliament intervenes. This is according to officials from the Department of International Relations and Cooperation who appeared before the Parliamentary Portfolio Committee. More than 80 South Africans died when a guesthouse belonging to the Synagogue Church of All Nations collapsed last month. Lukanyo Kalata reports. It's been over a month since more than 80 South Africans died in the building collapse. Their families are still waiting for their bodies to be returned home. Officials blame red tape and bureaucracy. According to the department's director-general, Jerry Machila, 
The identification process has been completed, but they are yet to get clearance from the Nigerian authorities to remove the bodies. He appealed to MPs to intervene. It's a foreign country, foreign jurisdiction, above all, it's a state with its own jurisdiction. So, so Chair, um, unfortunately, due to a member of the Portfolio Committee, what we can only ask you uh, is to appeal. It is for you to appeal to your colleagues in Nigeria, is to appeal to uh, fast-track these processes. Machila says for some families, the return of the bodies might be bittersweet because they won't be able to view their loved ones. This is because some of the bodies are in an advanced stage of decomposition due to problems at one of the Nigerian mortuaries. And that's why they will appeal to our people that um, we may not we may not open some of these bodies for family inspections. Members of the portfolio committee like Beki Khadebe weren't too pleased to hear about the problems caused mainly by an alleged lack of cooperation from the Nigerian authorities. I think that for the sake of those families, the South African government must demand a full report and then who's responsible for that, so that that person can, could be prosecuted to the full mind of the law. If necessary, the South Africa must take them to the International Court, because really, with the way this thing has happened, we cannot just sit back. These are our fellow South Africans. We, can, we cannot allow them to be treated like animals. And that report by Lukanyo Kalata. It's 8.45 Central African time, and our economics update up next with Tabisolo Huku. Thanks, Balungile, and this is your economics update. South Africa's President Jacob Zuma has assured Turkish business people that his administration will do everything in its power to ensure a conducive environment for foreign investors. He was speaking at the second South African Turkish Business Association Business Awards in Johannesburg last night. Lack of foreign direct investment in South Africa is often blamed on stringent laws, but Zuma says the country's laws are not friendly for foreign investors. We extend a warm welcome to all investors and potential investors. Let me assure you that South Africa is open for business. We are determined to create an environment that is investor-friendly. We'll continue to improve support measures, both through the Special Economic Zones Program and other development tools. We're expanding the economic possibilities in our country, expanding the infrastructure, and therefore you came at the right time. And that was South Africa's President Jacob Zuma there, highlighting the fact that the country's law are now friendly to foreign investors. Economists believe South Africa's economic growth will probably accelerate next year if labor relations don't deteriorate again. And if the global economy holds up reasonably well, a Reuters poll among 35 economists suggests the growth will pick up to 2.5% in 2015 from an estimated 1.5% this year. Chief economist at NetBank, Dennis Dykes, says this assumes there will not be another strike in the mining sector. Marisa Simoes reports. 
Dyke says if that happens, all bets are off. A five-month strike in the platinum sector and other labour actions disrupted the mining and auto sectors and hurt business confidence in the first half of the year. That impact is still being felt, although economists think growth has a good chance of rebounding next year from a long period of disappointing performance. Ghana is close to an agreement with the International Monetary Fund on a fiscal assistance program and is optimistic that the 2015 budget can take that deal into account. Deputy Finance Minister Cassiel Atterforsen was speaking after a second round of talks with IMF in Washington. He says a third and decisive round will start in Ghana next month. Any deal would help the West African country restore its fiscal balance amid problems such as quickening inflation, a stubborn budget deficit, and a currency that has declined sharply this year. President Joan Mahama says that the country also wants an IMF program to facilitate a deeper transformation of an economy prone to fiscal imbalances because it is driven by the export of raw commodities and widespread imports. Ugandan President Yoweri Museveni is to preside over the launching ceremony of rehabilitation works at Mulago Hospital and groundbreaking for Kawempe and Kirudu Hospitals in the capital Kampala tomorrow. The African Development Bank, which is funding the work on the hospitals, will be represented by its regional director, Gabriel Nekatu who will make brief remarks. The funded projects are to improve access to quality and affordable healthcare services for the population of the Kampala metropolitan area, strengthen the health systems through building capacity of the new health sector in areas of leadership, infection prevention, as well as introduce new technologies such as telemedicine, or rather telemedicine, yes, and referral systems to enhance the efficiency of service delivery. Indicators this hour, the final hour of Africa rise and shine. The US dollar trades at 11.09 South African Rand, 8.98 Botswana Pula, 6.23 Zambian Kwacha, 0.62 British Pound, 0.79 to the Euro, Gold 1.238 dollars, Platinum 1.250 dollars an ounce, Brand Crude, 86 dollars, 4.5 cents a barrel. Economic update. Thank you, Tabiso. Our sports update up next with Tammy Kluza. A quick look in your sports. South Africa and Ghana have been asked by the African Cup of Nations organizers whether they are prepared to host the 2015 tournament if Morocco draw with throw over Ebola fears. A letter from African Football Confederation Secretary General Hicham El Amrani asked an unknown number of national associations whether they would be ready to organize the event. South Africa have twice been emergency emergency host taking over the 1996 from to Kenya and last year from Strife Town, Libya. Ghana staged the Cup of Nations in 1963, 1978 as well as in 2008 and were last minute co-host with Nigeria in 2000 after Zimbabwe failed to meet deadlines. 
Nigeria have parted ways with coach Stephen Keshi following a run of poor results in the 2015 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers. Keshi, who guided the Super Eagles to their third AFCON trophy and the Confederations Cup both in 2013 as well as the FIFA World Cup in Brazil this year, has been axed as a Super Eagles coach, with former Orlando Pirates and Super Eagles coach Shwaibu Amodu replacing him. Channel Africa's Tony Ubani reports. They had a, a meeting of the executive committee of the Nigeria Football Federation and late in the night they released uh, you know, their communique and that communique unanimously approved the appointment of a consortium of coaches to lead the Super Eagles for only the two concluding matches of the 2015 African Cup of Nations qualifying series against Congo in Brazzaville and against South Africa in New York and Ibom State, after which an expatriate coach will be appointed. The consortium led by Amodu Shaibu. Amodu Shaibu has been a regular this in uh, his first coming to the Super Eagles at a stage he also coached the Super Eagles with Stephen Keshi and qualified for the World Cup, and uh, they were not allowed to continue. So Amodu Shaibu also has a salute to Yusuf, Wendy Ogumbote, and Aloysius Ago. The team also has a new coordinator in former international, Garoba Lawal. In athletics, the Nelson Mandela Bay in South Africa's Eastern Cape province has launched the richest half marathon in the country, the 2015 Half Marathon Champion. The marathon that has attracted athletes from East Africa takes place at Summerstrand in Port Elizabeth on the 15th of November. President of Athletics South Africa, Alex Kosana, says that the tournament has grown since its inception in 2011. Half Marathon Championships for 2015 is going to be hosted in this same course. So it gives the athletes the opportunity to run the fastest times. As you may be aware that uh, it's no longer the South African athletes that are competing, but the Kenyan athletes, the Ethiopians and many others will be in the city and they will explore the possibility of setting maybe the world record here. And now in netball, the South African Fast Five team lost out to the Australian Centre of Excellency in the match of the two match fives, first five series in Pochopstron. The South Africans dominated most of the match but fell short as they were beaten by 38 to 33 points. South African head coach Ellis Gotza says that despite the defeat, her team played very well. For me, this is quite a new experience and um, the whole format of the game is totally different from the um, from the tradition traditional netball but um, the first three quarters for me was um, I think we were uh, in, in a good um, position you know with the eight goals up um, we didn't use our um, power quarter to our, the, the full ability you know you cannot only score just two points or two goals in your luckily it was three pointers and we got six each um, so, uh, so important is that um, that power quarter you should actually um, can make or break you. And finally in golf, India's Yoti Randwana leads the Hong Kong Open, but one of the star names, South Africa's NLs, is ominously well placed. Randwana is six under par after a superb opening 64 and one clear of the field. Nick Dai is there for us. Randau is a former European Tour member who struggled with injury and form, lost his playing rights, returned to the Asian Tour and he's been gradually reviving a career which stalled after nine wins across Asia. He says his putting was awesome in opening up this one-stroke advantage over Angelo Kay. 
Els is tied third, hitting the ground running. A winner of more than 60 worldwide tournaments, he'd love to add this traditional and prestigious title to the list on a first appearance. He seems immediately to appreciate the old-school nature of the course and his level with, among others, the informed Nicola Colsar. Four times champion Miguel Angel Jimenez is back at two over par after a night of illness, possibly food poisoning. That's the end of our sport. Stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, and back to Lulu Gabu. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories, Mozambique's main opposition party rejects election results and Angola wins coveted UN Security Council seat. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine this week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumuzo Ramagaza, technical producer Charles Moyo and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.co.za or tweet us and follow us on Twitter at Rise Shine Africa. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa is Oyaba with a song titled Tomorrow Nation. Everywhere.